The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on this fine day? What project is getting done around your house or maybe not getting done? Why don't we work on it together? Pick up the phone, give us a call. We're here to help. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Whatever's going on in your home improvement life, your home decor projects, your home remodeling projects, is it a project you can do yourself? Is it a project you need to hire a pro? We can help you choose the right pro with some advice on how to get started with that project at 888-666-3974. Also coming up in today's program, you know, almost every refrigerator these days has got a water line attached to it. If it's not for the ice maker, it's for you know the water that comes out through the door. Did you ever wonder what that water goes through on the way out the door or into the ice? It goes through a filter. And if you don't change the filter often enough, it can become very unhealthy. We'll have some tips on how to tackle that project this hour. And also ahead, we're going to talk about home improvement safety. You know, you'd really be surprised to learn just how many accidents happen during home improvement projects. We're going to share some tips on keeping your ears and eyes safe when you do it yourself. And now that summer is just about wrapped up, it's a great time to give your heating system a checkup before the real chill sets in. We're going to tell you what you need to do to make sure everything is good to go. And one caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a set of Lutron Maestro occupancy sensing switches so you will never have to ask this question, who left the lights on? In your angry parent voice. (laughs) And I love those Lutron occupancy sensors. I've got, what do I have now? Let me think about this. I've got about six of these in the house and they work great. I've got some in rooms where you you just want the light to pop on when you go in there like like a pantry and I've got them in all the bedroom so the kids really can never leave the lights on again. It's totally solved that problem. 888 Money Pit. Those are going to go out to one caller drawn at random. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Kerwin in Mississippi is on the line with a septic system question. What's going on over there? Hey, como deli vu. Uh, We've we've got a situation. We we bought a tax sale property. Okay. um, Paid $3,000 for a a trailer that still had all the stuff in it from Katrina, so it was a mess. Took a couple months to fix, and it was a hundred by hundred and fifty lot with a trailer and an addition on it. So it's it's it was a great deal. Okay. Um, our problem is um, we, we went through the process of trying to get power turned on, which we have no. We're really living off the grid. We have no water, no power. Okay. And um, we got a compost toilet, and the problem when the inspector came out from the health department was. You know, it should have been grandfathered in, but um, they started him and hawing about it being, they changed the rules. Instead of it being 10 feet from the property line, now it's got to be 25 feet. Mm-hmm. And ours sits at 22. Okay. So um, we're dealing with the um, the raw sewage, you know, with the compost toilet. We need to deal with the, the septic system, um, gray water. And um, I've been looking, um, and they also tried to say that, you know, oh, it might be a wetland. Well, 
It uh, I, still I think it's a good. Still think it was a good deal. Um, actually, I do. Um, <laughs> okay. It, <laughs> All right. So, what's your question, Kerwin? Is it the septic inspector, the health inspector, telling you you can't put in a septic system? Is that right? Is that what it is? We've actually we can't get anybody from. Um, we had an engineer come out, and he said it doesn't seem to be a problem. Okay. They told me I had to. They referred me to an engineer. I got one to come out, and now I can't get a septic company to even come out and repair it. He said all it needs is repairs. Okay. So I'm bi- I'm in a bind. Hmm. So um, I look for grants. I've I've thought of moving it myself. What's the job that actually has to be done? What's the repair? I think if we can find a way, if there's a, a source or, or information on doing a gray water system. Um, you know, we can get by. First of all, you did the right thing by involving an engineer. The engineer will, his his opinion will basically supersede that from the health department. The engineer is recommending a repair. The first thing I would do is ask the engineer if they can give you a referral to somebody that does this kind of work, aside from the two guys that you've been calling over and over and over again. I can't believe there's only two guys in this area that do this sort of work. I would not try to change the entire way you're putting this system together just because you can't get a contractor out there that does this. I mean, I would place an ad on Craigslist to find a contractor or some other online directory rather than change my approach to basically redesign the system. If the health inspector says you got to get an engineer, the engineer says it's repairable, let the engineer, I mean, put the engineer in charge of the project. Let them find somebody that does this. You, know, you want to find somebody that can have some, has uh, some credibility uh, with the guys that are doing the work that wants to get more work from them. You're just kind of one and done. But if you have your engineer that's doing this all the time, uh, maybe GC the project for you. Maybe that engineer can can help you identify a contractor that's going to be responsible and reliable. Even if it costs you a little bit more, it's going to be less than trying to redesign the entire system. And if you get it done right, then you can get the power moved in and, and kind of move on your way. So that's the way I would approach it. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Ann in North Carolina on the line who's dealing with a wet crawl space. Tell us what's going on there. Hey, I have a question about uh, my house. Um, it's it was built a long time ago, and, you know, of course, back then they didn't put a house off the ground. And it's very low. And I'm just wondering how I can protect it from dampness and rot. I don't have a lot of money to work with, and I've heard a few things, but I'm really not sure what, what I can do. Okay, so right now you're on a crawl space. And the crawl space, is it accessible? Can you get in there? Uh, through one small door. Okay, fine. It's not a pleasant project, but it is a, a project that you can do yourself in. So a couple of things. First of all, you want to take steps to reduce the amount of moisture that collects at the outside of the foundation. You do that by making sure you have gutters. The gutters are clean and free-flowing and dumping water at least four to six feet from the foundation. That's the most single most important thing to do is a good gutter system. Second to that is to make sure the soil around the house slopes away. You don't want soil that's settled and is very flat and holds water against the foundation. You want it to slope away. So you could have some clean fill dirt delivered, very inexpensive, basically just carry, pay for the truck to carry it out there, and then grade that to slope away from the walls on all four sides. Over the fill dirt, you could put some topsoil and some seed or stone or whatever you want to do to control erosion. Then the third thing you do is go in that crawl space and cover all of the open soil with plastic. Get some large rolls of sheet plastic with as few seams as possible. Cover all of the soil with plastic. That stops a lot of the moisture from evaporating up into the air. 
And those three things together will make a big difference. Do I need a certain thickness? Uh, the thicker the plastic, the better, because it's just it's easier to put down. You end up having to crawl on it, and you won't poke through. Okay. And does it need to be anchored in any way? Nope. You can lay it right over the soil. Really? Uh, yep. I like that. I don't like okay. the tall part. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's just a little scary under there. Yeah, it's a little, like I said, it's not the most pleasant job, but it's not hard, and you can do it yourself. Get a really good friend to keep you company and do it together. <laughs> One who likes squishing bugs and giving you support. Okay, I appreciate it. That that answers my question. Good luck, Ann. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. We love to have you be part of the Money Pit fun. We love to hear what you're working on and, of course, give you a hand. So give us a call. We're here to do just that 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, if you enjoy cool, filtered water coming right out of your refrigerator, you need to make sure that that filter inside is replaced to keep the water safe. How often should you do that? We'll tell you next. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, celebrating their 170-year anniversary. At Stanley, making history is our future. To learn more, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT. We will answer your home improvement question, and we may be sending you a set of Lutron occupancy sensing switches. These sense motion when someone's walked into the room and they switch the light on and then off when the room is empty. So you never have to go through the situation that I did for years with my kids before putting these in of shouting, who left the lights on? As if we didn't already know the answer to that question. We're going to send two out to one caller drawn at random from those we talked to on today's show. So give us a call. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Now on the line, we've got Pat in Michigan who's dealing with a problem in a home's addition. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I had added on to my house in 2003. I added on uh, a small room in a garage. And what I've noticed just recently is uh, a door that exits this addition that the security door won't close. Okay. And then if I looked into the house, I see where the door is also sagging, and then I see a crack radiating from the corner of the door at the top. So it looks to me like this addition is settling. That side has gone down, which has caused uh, the security door to not close. Now, can you clarify for me, you mentioned that this was over a garage? No, no, no. This was in addition to the house, which included a room and a garage. Okay. This room I'm talking about is 10 by 20. Okay. And it's one of the walls. It's one wall, which is 10 foot long. And uh, that's where I see the problem. If you look on the outside of the house, it's brick, this addition, and there's nothing noticeable from the outside. No cracks in the brick, no movement of the brick that you can see. You're just seeing it on the inside of the house. I think you should rehang the door at this point. The type of crack that you're mentioning is pretty common because that's the weakest part in the wall frame. And I'd like for you, before we do anything that's too drastic in terms of reinforcing foundations during that kind of a project, we don't we don't know that it's that bad. This might just be some normal settlement. So I'd like to suggest that you pull the door out and rehang it, square it up, and then watch it, see what happens. Okay, appreciate it. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Anna in Pennsylvania, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Well, I hope you can. Um, without involving me in too much work. Uh, <laughs> okay, <I> have, <laughs> a tall order, but we're up for the challenge. Uh, I have um, two long slats from a bunk bed set. Now, to use it as a bunk bed, um, you can't get rid of these. And I was thinking about throwing them out. And then when I looked at them, I thought, down the road, if somebody else would ever want these and use them as a bunk bed... I can't throw them out, but they're, okay. they've been outside, and they've been kind of sheltered, but they've been outside for a couple of years, and they're rusted. They're metal. And so I wondered how I could clean the metal off, uh, the rust off them, so that, um, and treat them however, uh, okay. so that it could be used again. Right. So very simple. What you're going to want to do is either wire brush and or sand the metal to get rid of all of that rust then wipe it down so it's nice and clean and dry and then you're going to paint it with a rust proofing primer like rustoleum if it's uh, fairly flat you can brush it on if it's got any kind of uh, detail to it you can buy it in a spray can and just spray it on it takes a couple of hours to dry the rustoleum product but it's worth it because it really does seal it in and protect it then after it dries you can put a top coat on of the same color that the slat was before, just so it doesn't look like, uh, you know, it doesn't have that primer color to it. Okay, so I can get it in the color as a shade. Oh, sure. Yeah, any color you want. But the rust-proofing primer is kind of like a rust color. And so after that dries, then you can paint whatever you want. Thank you for the advice, and um, I like your show an awful lot. Thanks very much, Anne-Marie. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're one of the millions that get drinking water from your refrigerator or perhaps ice from the automatic ice maker, did you know that that water goes through a filter? And if so, now is probably a pretty good time to make a change. I mean, if you didn't know it had a filter, I can tell you it's already been in there too long. But if you <laughs> if you do know, you need to change that filter every six months to a year. It's really important because the tap water travels through miles and miles of infrastructure before arriving at your house. It can pick up contaminants along the way. And that filter's job is to keep it clean and fresh before it goes out the, the faucet on the front of the refrigerator or into the ice tray. Yeah, you know, I think it's important. There are several things you need to change in your home every six months. We're talking about the batteries and your smoke detectors. Why not sort of make this a calendar of, you know, every six month to do's? Mark off your smoke detectors, check your fire extinguishers, change the filter in your refrigeration water system. It's all really important. And, you know, it's important because the water, you want it to taste good. You don't want to worry about what your family is ingesting. And I know my mom didn't even realize that her refrigerator had a water filter. And I want to say it was a good like seven years before I was like, when did you change this last? She said, what's that? (laughs) So if that's you saying, what's that right now? Find out which one your manufacturer recommends, put it on your calendar, make it part of your, you know, biannual to-do list, if you will. Yeah, and of course that, you know, filtered water is not only good tasting and safe, it also helps you cut costs because it's a smart, less costly alternative to bottled water. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to the phones. Leslie, who's next? Esther in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, you can tell me how I can put little windows into a metal garden shed. Oh, okay. So it's just a single wall metal shed? It is. You know, it's like um, overlapping metal sheets. Yeah. Hmm. 
Why do you want to put the windows in there? Just for light? For light, and also because if we put shutters on the outside of them, they dress it up and they look kind of cute from the and outside. And it looks pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you purchased very inexpensive new construction-style windows, new construction-style windows have a have a sort of a fin, a nailing fin on the outside of it, like a, a, a strip that surrounds it. Uh-huh. If you were to do that and you cut the hole in the wall to just fit around the outside of the window and install the window backwards, so instead of putting it in from the front and covering it with siding, you can start on the inside and, and, and mount it there and then stick it sort of through the hole that you cut that fits around the window. And then you could bolt them in place and then cover the bolts with the shutters. That would be the way to create the illusion that the windows were built into the shed. So just to review, you would you would purchase a very inexpensive window because we're not at least a bit concerned about energy efficiency. This is just for show. Make sure it has a nailing a nailing flange around the outside of it, sort of this fin that sticks out. Uh, cut the hole in the metal wall that's the exact size of the window. Insert the window from the back, and then the nailing flange that's on the back, you could bolt into the metal that's all the way around, and then you would cover those bolts with uh, the shutters. And you'll have to caulk it to make sure it's watertight. Oh, sure. Great. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Leonard in South Carolina on the line who's doing a roofing addition to the garage. What can we do for you? I'm coming up with 10-foot studs, 16 inches on center. I'm putting a 10-foot wide roll-up aluminum door. The first question is, if I, if I breach this 10-foot opening with, a, with two 12-foot tuba eights, should I put fish do I have to put a fish plate between them, or can I put a half-inch plywood? That sounds like a pretty small header for a 10-foot wide door. 2 by 8 sounds really thin. In terms of do you need a flinch plate or not, and for those that are unaware what a flinch plate is, so a flinch plate is like a metal, a thick piece of metal. It's about a half-inch thick. It's the same width as the as the 2 by 8 2 by 10 or I should say the same height as it so if it was a 2 by 10 it would be nine and a half inches and it's designed to, designed to go in between the wood beams so you basically make a sandwich out of the headers plus the flinch plate is in the middle of it and it, it's kind of like having a wood I-beam if you can imagine that it's a combination of wood and steel and really stiffens that up but I would think that a, that a, that a 2 by 8 which is only seven and a half inches tall over it's a 10 foot span is that what you said? Yes, I'm going to span 12 feet to make sure I'm over the studs a good ways. Oh, boy. 12 feet? Yeah, there's no way you're going to do that with 2x8, even if it's just a gable wall. I'd probably use at least a 2x12 for that. But I tell you what, why don't you uh, – you going to have this inspected by the local code enforcement folks? I'm so far out in the country. I don't even know if they know I'm alive. You're not, nobody alive? <laughs> I'm not going to be coming anybody. near that? All right. Don't ask, don't tell, huh? Easier to apologize than to ask permission. You're sort of proceeding well, along well, those we're, lines. We're not going to have any, no, no electricity, uh, no water. It's just an addition room. All right. So I would, I would, if I was, it's just an addition, but it's a garage, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Three sides to an existing garage. This door is going to be a big roll-up door. I would use at least a two by twelve. Okay. Yes, sir. I certainly appreciate your help. I make sure you run that design by your wife now, too, Leonard, right? <laughs> Actually, she designed it. <laughs> All right. As long as she's happy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next on the program, how do you keep yourself safe during home improvement projects? We'll tell you after this. 888 Money It is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, 
you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt, a brilliant choice since 1886. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, if you're one of the 500 million people tweeting away on Twitter every day, we would invite you to follow the Money Pit. We have lots of tips and advice that go out over the Twitter feed from our own experience as well as those of folks that we trust. We also tweet information on our giveaways in advance of the show. Our handle is simply at Money Pit. So follow us today. Now we've got Alice in Michigan on the line who's dealing with mold in the shower. Tell us where you're seeing it. Hi, I am having issues to where my caulk keeps having black mold come through. I strip it, I redo it, and the mold just keeps returning. What can I do to stop that? Um, a couple of things. You're talking about the sh- just the shower or the shower tub kind of a thing? It's The walls are separate from the actual tub, so I've got okay. the caulk that... Um, attaches them, and I will strip it. I put bleach on it, and then I put um, new caulk down, but it just keeps coming through. Have you tried DAP caulk? And the reason I bring that up is they have a kitchen and bath caulk that's treated with an additive called microband, and microband absolutely positively will not grow mold or algae in it. Um, I don't think I've tried that. You might want to give that a try. And the other thing that I would do is, and I know you've been through this all before, but Remember to pull out all the old caulk. You can use a a caulk softener, which is kind of like a paint stripper for caulk, to pull that out. You want to wipe that down and spray with a bleach and water solution in a spray bottle up into that gap so that we make sure we get up in there and kill any algae spores or mold spores that are left behind. Now, this is on a tub? Uh, Yes. Okay, so next thing you do is fill the tub with water all the way up. And while the tub is full, caulk the seam between the walls and, and the tub. And then after the caulk dries, let the water out. That lets the tub sort of come back up and compress the caulk and help seal it better so that moisture won't get behind it and it won't sort of tear out again. Oh, okay. And then finally, make sure you use the caulk that I suggested with the mildicide. And there are are others, but I just happen to have good experience with that particular one. It's DAP kitchen and bath caulk with microband. That's the additive. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Alice. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, when you're working with power tools, outdoor gear, or pretty much any kind of home improvement materials, your vision and your hearing should be top priorities. You really have to protect these areas. Now, eye injuries are going to send more than a million people to the ER each year, and 90% of those injuries suffered at home, they're totally preventable. Now, you want to keep from being one of those statistics by wearing safety goggles or safety glasses with side shields. You know, you can actually find some pretty stylish safety sunglasses out there for outdoor use. I've had a couple of pairs that you would think were super high-end designer, super gorgeous, really durable. If you take the effort to find some stylish ones, you should get them. And you should just be wearing them regardless of what they look like, guys. Well, you know what? They used to look awful. And today they look really nice and they're super comfortable. And in addition to eye protection, you also want to think about hearing protection. Uh, You want to shop for earplugs, noise-reducing earmuffs, or hearing protection allows you to listen to radio or, or MP3 tunes 
while you work. Those devices are out there, they're comfortable, and they do a great job. Just putting in your iPhone earbuds is not protecting your hearing from all of that home improvement racket that's going out. So if you're cutting the grass, using a chainsaw, using a circular saw, you really need to think about taking care of your hearing. Because let's face it, if you don't take care of at least the ears, you can't listen to us. 888-666-3974. Mike in Florida is on the line and needs help with a stucco project. Tell us what you're working on. I uh, I recently bought a house. Well, I, I bought it actually about a year ago. I moved here from Virginia, and I I looked around for just the right house. You know, just finding the right house for the right money. Then got a great deal on the house. Okay. Very sound house. Have virtually remodeled the whole interior on the house to to my liking, and I'm very happy with that. Okay. But. Outside of the house has a very coarse uh, stucco finish to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you rubbed up against it, it'd probably take the skin off of you. It's that coarse, you know. And uh, I'm just curious: is there anything I can do to reduce the coarseness or take that stucco off without damaging the cinder block underneath? And it is cinder block, of course. Okay, so it's a masonry stucco on top of cinder block, correct? So, I mean, you could add additional stucco to it and put a different finish on it, but it's a heck of a big project, Mike, for what you're going to accomplish. And, you know, the adhesion is really important, so it has to be done right. They usually use a very stickier mix of stucco to get it to grab on to the old stuff. If it's very rough like that, that could actually help you with the adhesion, help it hold on. But you're going to have to have a mason come in and re-stucco the entire house to get that done. Well, it would have to be, in order to take up all of this, I would say there was going to be anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half of stucco additional. And you know what that's going to do to your windows and doors, don't you? You're going to, All the window and door wells are going to be that much deeper. <laughs> yeah. You know what this sounds to me like? It sounds to me like the kind of outside you're going to have to get used to. So <laughs> I... I, I might think about a decor solution. I might think about changing the color. I might think about changing the landscaping. But the stucco itself, I'd probably leave just like it is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I just maybe another a paint scheme of some sort would, would would soften it. Exactly. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, still to come this hour, even though summer has just kind of ended, now is truly the best time to make sure that your heating system is ready for that cold weather ahead. We're going to tell you how to make sure everything is running smoothly next. You live in a body pit. The Money Fit is brought to you by Lutron Sensors. Tired of reminding your family to turn off the lights? Install a Lutron Maestro occupancy sensor and you'll never have to remind them again. It works with all bulb types and takes only about 15 minutes to install. For easy upgrades with big impact, choose Lutron. Visit ChooseLutron.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are taking your calls at 888 Pit. Now, one lucky caller this hour is going to get a pair of Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switches from Lutron. Now, what's awesome about this is that it will sense when somebody enters a room and automatically turn those lights on. And then it will turn them off when they leave the room. I mean, it's really great because in addition to being super convenient, you're going to start to see your energy bills drop 
dropping right before your eyes. And here's what's different about this occupancy switch. It sort of works in addition to, you know, sensing movement. It will also sense heat. So if you're just sort of sitting still, maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're writing poetry, maybe you're just deep in thought contemplating life. It's not going to leave you in the dark, guys, if you're super duper still, which is great. The pair is worth 44 bucks, and you can actually see all of Lutron's green home products at LutronSensors.com. That's LutronSensors.com. Give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. 888-MONEY-PIT. Sherry and George is on the line and dealing with a basement crack in the wall. Tell us what's going on. Is it in cinder block? Is it in your foundation wall? Where do you see this? It's in the wall of the foundation. It's poured cement. And just recently I noticed that there is a, not a straight, but kind of a curved crack. And it looks like maybe a little bit of like uh, dust or water has come through it. Okay, Sherry, is it, a, is it a vertical crack or is it a horizontal crack? Kind of vertical, but it kind of curves. Okay. And it's a poured concrete foundation. So has the crack always been there or is it something that's very recent? It's not actually in the floor. It's in the wall. It's actually a basement wall. And yes, it's poured. Right. Is it always been there or is it something that just recently popped up? I think it's pretty recent. I don't remember seeing it before. Well, cracks in foundation walls are really pretty typical. And and that includes uh, poured concrete walls, poured foundation walls. So what I would do is not panic. If it's a minor crack like that, I would simply seal it with a masonry caulk or a silicone caulk. And all you're doing is really keeping the water from the outside ground from kind of leaking back through the wall. But a minor crack like that is generally caused by a little bit of shift in the foundation, perhaps some settlement or some shrinkage in the wall itself. So we're talking about a hairline crack here, I presume? Yeah, it's a very, yes, it's very, very thin, but it looks like something has seeped through it, and I guess that's what worried me the most. Right, it might be water, and what happens if you get groundwater that gets through and then it evaporates, it leaves its mineral salts behind, and that might be the dust that you're seeing. It's sort of like a whitish, grayish dust, and that's the minerals in the water when it when it's, oh, when it uh, okay. leaks through and then evaporates. So just sweep that out before you put the caulk in, and I think that's all you need to do right now. Well, thank you for the advice. I really appreciate it. Well, the dead of winter is a really bad time to find out that your heating system doesn't work. That's why now that summer has just passed, it's a great time to get your system serviced before the weather turns cold. If the system is serviced, it will work and it'll work efficiently. Even though it worked well last winter, every time you turn this heating system on, the flames will leave some carbon behind on the burners and that can cause it to fail. So get the system checked now. Yeah, you know, the inspection points should include a cleaning the furnace, replacing its filter, and of course, checking the burner to ensure that it's going to fire correctly. And when it does fire correctly, you're going to get the most efficient use of your fuel source. Now, Heating Pro will also make sure that the heat exchanger is not cracked. That's the main body of the furnace. When it cracks, you can get carbon monoxide leaks. And that, again, is an example of just something that it takes a specialist to really diagnose. So get it done now, and you'll be good to go for the cold weather ahead. Charles in Pennsylvania is dealing with a mysterious leak. Tell us about it. Well, I, I have a, well, it's the section of the house that uh, in front of the, the one wall is the garage and behind it is the wall to the house. It's a, a family room. And one side, the one towards the garage, uh, was having seeping water coming in. Uh, I thought it was the uh, roof, but I had the roofer who just put the roof on about 18 months ago come check it. He can't find anything wrong with it. It stopped. It hasn't done it for a while, but I noticed that 
as I went into the garage the other day, I saw that some of the drywall has started to turn black. So obviously the inside the drywall, there's, there's mold. And I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from, number one, so I can fix it. Number two, of course, I've got to fix the issue with the mold. Any, any ideas about where that might be coming from? It's over the garage for the, uh, the garage roof. And is it near where the garage roof intersects with anything else? Is it intersecting with the house? Well, it inters- uh, the garage roof covers this whole section that I'm, I'm actually sitting in that room right now. Um, and then, then it goes out and connects with a, a sun porch area in the back, uh, but, but the, it wasn't coming from that side. It was coming from the inside wall, which seemed weird. Well, here's the thing. You may be getting a leak that's caused by, just by rain that blows in with some wind pressure behind. It's sort of a directional leak. Mm-hmm. A roofer looking at this, and, of course, you're asking him to, to figure out what's wrong with your roof. And, and, of course, he knows darn well that he put the roof on, and he's not going to be willing to admit very readily that there's anything wrong. But the truth is you may have a leak that's caused by driving rain, and that's why it may not happen all the time. It's pretty common, actually. It usually happens at an intersection point, not in the middle of the shingle, usually at a point where it intersects with something else. When you've got wind-driven rain and your wind is lifting up a shingle and the rain is, you know, falling horizontally because of the wind and getting up and under. Yeah. We we had never had this problem. Like I said, the roof is new, and it's relatively new, about 18 months old. And until about three months ago, of that, you know, 15 months of it, there's never been a, even a sniff of a leak. Well, you know, roofs are always expanding and contracting, and, and, and they can develop these types of leaks. One way to try to diagnose it, if you don't see anything that's visually wrong, is to go up there with a hose and start uh-huh. low and run the water down the down the roof, and again, towards the low side, and then bring it up higher and, and uh-huh. see if you can actually physically make it leak. Yeah, and that yeah, will kind sure. of show you the general area. But if you find it, then what you have to do is take the shingles apart there and, and, and re-roof that particular spot. Now, in terms yeah. of the area of the wall where you're seeing these black stains, that may or may not be mold. I mean, when, when drywall gets wet, it does tend to turn dark, and it may not be dark with mold. But what I would do is I would prime it with an oil-based primer. And so I would prime uh-huh. the surface and then put a top coat of paint on it. If you just paint it, the stain will come back through. You must prime it first. I'll give that a shot. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Still ahead, mold. It can be a homeowner's worst enemy, but there's an easy, non-toxic way to get rid of it for good. We'll explain after this. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain Garage Power Station, an air inflator, utility cord, and LED task light, all together in a new three-in-one tool, exclusively at the Home Depot. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, if there's one home maintenance issue that's really taken center stage over the last decade, it has to be mold. Mold is messy, it's dirty, and as we all know, it's potentially unsafe. But if you find mold, the experts at Concrobium advise that there are some smart steps that you can take to kill the mold and prevent it from growing back if it does happen. Now, the first thing you need to do is to get rid of the moisture. Why? Well, because moisture feeds mold. If you've got moisture, if you've got an organic surface like drywall or carpet or fabric or anything like that, you can have a mold problem. 
Now, if it's above grade, you want to make sure that you've got adequate ventilation, like bath fans, for example. They go a long way to reducing the amount of moisture that feeds the mold. Now, if it's in another area of the house, consider a whole house dehumidifier, reducing the moisture throughout the entire house. If it's below grade, the easiest way to reduce moisture there is to make sure that your gutter and downspout system are clear and directing water well away from your home's foundation. Now, once that's done, you can clean up any existing mold. And, you know, most do-it-yourselfers have used bleach for this purpose, but bleach doesn't kill mold and mildew on porous surfaces like wood and drywall because it won't penetrate to the roots of the mold. A better solution is concrobium mold control. It eliminates and prevents mold, and it's effective on any surface, including fabric. It's got no harmful chemicals or VOCs, and it works as it dries, crushing mold down to the roots. Then what happens is it stays on the surface and prevents any more mold growth. Concrobium is ideal for mold after flood damage, as well as mold that's found during a renovation. You can find Concrobium Mold Control at home improvement or hardware stores, or visit CureMyMold.com. That's CureMyMold.com. We're going to jump right into our posts, and I've got one here from Andrew in New York who writes, I want to install a wood laminate or something similar in my finished basement. The room is below grade, but so far, no moisture. We do find the floor gets pretty cold to the bare feet. Current floor has a double pad and a Berber carpet. What can I use for a subfloor so that I can insulate under the floor somehow? Hmm, Good question. All right, so... First of all, get rid of the carpet because that is a material that's just going to hold moisture. Even though you don't see moisture, there's humidity down there. Um, I can guarantee you that you get allergens that are trapped uh, like dust mites in that carpet. So a really bad thing for a basement. Now, in terms of the laminate, the good news is that the laminate floors have an underlayment that's usually an insulating um, wrap that goes underneath them. Take a look at the manufacturers uh, of the product you decide to, to pick up. Uh, some of the insulating products are like thin rolls of foam that go under them. Some of them are maybe a quarter-inch thick pad that's attached to the back of the laminate board. But I think beyond that, you probably don't need to do anything else. I don't think you're going to pick up a lot by, you know, maybe putting uh, two-inch styrofoam down on the floor or something of that nature. I think the underlayment for the laminate itself will will do a pretty good job uh, just taking the chill out of that floor. Then, of course, on top of the laminate, you can add some area rugs or something of that nature to make it more comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. And that will really sort of cozy up the space and actually warm up the Tootsie factor, <laughs> if that's something that's a real word. It's a technical term. Exactly. <laughs> this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show coming up next time on the Money Pit. When it comes to major remodeling projects, one of the first sort of super important decisions you need to make is to decide if you want to do it yourself or hire a general contractor. We're going to help you figure that out. And if you do decide to hire a GC, we'll tell you the questions you need to ask to make sure you hire the best pro possible. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. 
Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.